All right. Hi, everybody. It's RCFB Talk. You know what? We thought we'd do one late tonight since we've got all the championship games over. Uh, and the CFP is going to be tomorrow. So we figured might as well get this thing going. So if you'd like to join the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. Just hit request on the Twitter app. I'll go ahead and send that as a reply. And we'll get you up here. We can talk about what's been going on because obviously we just had the wrap-up of college football championship weekend. The question is now going to be who's going to make the CFP tomorrow, which is going to be, let's see, about 11 Eastern, pardon me, Central, so 12 Eastern. That's when we're going to find that out. Obviously, we know who the winners are. Um, the big upset of the day, Alabama knocked off Georgia. Not entirely a major upset. It was something that we thought was plausible. Michigan won. Washington obviously won last night. And Florida State managed to pull off a kind of a grind of a game against Louisville. So here we are. The question is going to be who's going to be in, who's going to be out. Just a quick summary before we jump into calls. I was just looking at how Iowa did their possessions in order. Punt, 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 fumble. Punt, punt, fumble, downs. Punt, fumble, downs, downs. That is that is just beauty right there. So anyway, let's let some folks up here. I see John, you're patient. I'll go ahead and let you up. And let's see what people think about what happened tonight. I mean, I'm curious to hear how people think the uh, the playoff decisions are going to be made. Um, certainly, there's two schools of thought right now. Uh, Michigan and Washington are certainly in. Now the question is going to be Alabama. It's going to be Texas. Florida State obviously has gone undefeated. We'll see how people think about that. John, what's going on? Hey, man, how you doing? I, I didn't expect a uh, 11.45 p.m. space tonight. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. And, and uh, being in Central is a little bit nicer. But, yeah, no, absolutely. We just figured, you know what, this is a good time to, to get that talking. So, so yeah, but what's your mind? What did you think of how things went today? Man, I wish I could have the last four hours of my life back. I mean, I'm quite honest. <laughs> that that was... sounds like an Iowa football game. Yeah, that I think that's 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 pretty. Yeah, that was just tonight football in general. But yeah, Iowa football in general. That's uh, that was hard to watch. Um, I guess you know I, I hate to take it off the uh, the you know top four, but I'm kind of curious about for the G five side. Are we really about to see a a Liberty team with the worst schedule in the country squeeze itself into the New York Six Bowls? Yeah, you know that's the other side of it too. Thank you for bringing that up because the playoff committee is going to get their job completely thrown out of whack tomorrow because if Again, had the had the favorites won out, it would have been simple, but they have just enough chaos in there that they're going to have to figure out not only who the top four teams are, but whether to let Liberty be the top G5 or now that Southern Methodist SMU has beaten Tulane, are they going to move them up into the rankings? Because we never knew where SMU was if they were hovering just outside of the top 25. They don't really tell us that, so... Yeah, now that's going to be the other big question tomorrow too. Who's going to be the team that's going to that's going to take that spot? Um, very curious to see that. So um, yeah, I, I I wouldn't be shocked if they move SMU up only because of the totality of their schedule. Because the uh, the thing with Liberty, as you point out, um, before the season even began, out of 133 FBS programs they were schedule was ranked 133. Now, I think it's a little bit better than that only because no one expected New Mexico State to be a 10-win team. Like, no one. It's only happened, I think, once since the 1960s. So, uh, I mean, this is the first time, pardon me, since the 1960s. So that will kind of boost them up just a little bit. But 
Um, I, it's still a weak schedule. I don't know how much. I almost wonder, are they going to be spending so much time trying to figure out who these top four teams are and then just kind of, oh, crap, we got to figure out who the G5 team is and just kind of like, I don't know, spin a wheel. I'm not sure. But if they were going on strength, if they're going on the team that appears to be the strongest right now, I could see SMU being the team. But it they, they kind of talk out of both sides of their mouth a little bit. I mean, one thing to remember, um, and this is something that came up in the last college football ranking just this past week after they do their big you know their big show there's a presser with the media and the the quote that people have been jumping on quite a bit is the one by bill hancock executive director of the college football playoff in a question where somebody had brought up is it most you know is it most deserving versus best team and he said quote most deserving is not anything in the committee's lexicon they are to rank the best teams in order but we've seen too much evidence that um, they, they go based on the most deserving team. And either way, most deserving or best team, I could see arguments for both Liberty and for SMU. But I'd love to get some other folks up here. I see a lot of people have been super patient. I will get you up here. I also see my co-host, um, the water boy, who's also here as well. I asked him to come and join me. I'm going to let him up um, as co-host. And then I'm going to let's see here. David, I see you next. I'm going to let you up here, and I'll try to get as many of you folks as I can. Um, David, what's going on? How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Thank you for letting me on here. I guess I'm just going to give uh, my two cents. Sure. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm a little selfish and biased. I want to see the best games possible, right? Um, so, I mean, I do Michigan, Washington, Bama, Texas, and then Bama. But what I think the committee is going to end up doing is obviously FSU and then and – then, um, Texas get in there as well. Um, but I guess going to the non, uh, the, the, the other five, if they put in FSU, then do they have, is that setting a precedent and does Liberty have to get in? Because- you know, that's a great, that's a good question. Um, now I, with the new year six, I could see them. Cause I mean, th- there's some argument one way or the other. I mean, if you're letting in, if they decide, and uh, I'd be surprised if they do, if they decide to somehow bump Florida State as an undefeated out of the top four, which I don't expect they're going to do because that would set such a weird... It, it, they're in a weird zone because it can kind of write off almost any mistakes they feel like they've made because next year they get 12 teams. And this is this is like the perfect... Sw- I've actually been quietly rooting for chaos, not whichever team gets left out. I'm not rooting for that. I've just been hoping they would end up in a really awkward position where everyone next year will actually be looking forward to the 12-team playoff because this theoretically wouldn't be able to happen again. But with the idea of if they let in FSU, would they let in Liberty? I could see them still letting in uh, SMU in that situation. But going back to, you know, your current your ranking is actually kind of what, in my heart, how I would rank them too. Michigan, Washington, probably Alabama over Texas. Although that, you know, head-to-head, I might flip that. They're almost a wash. But I don't think that's exactly what they're going to pick. I wouldn't be surprised personally if tomorrow we hear it's Michigan, Washington, Florida State is number four, and then I don't know coin flip on Alabama or Texas. I I couldn't guess. I've seen people. I've seen people guess both of those. I've seen, you know, respected folks pick Texas. I've seen respected folks pick Alabama. There's a lot of questions there. Um, I'm not sure which one they will do. I mean, it's going to make for entertainment, but unfortunately, at the cost of of some of these some of these fan bases out there. Wow, so many people want to join. I'm going to let uh, the next person up as well. Let's see Thank here, you. Mark. Yeah, no, thank you, Mark. I see you. Um, I think you were the next person I noticed. I know. I apologize. I wish it would list the queue in order. So this is going to kind of be as I, I spot you, and I'll I'll try and get you up here. But Mark, what's on your mind? 
You know, it is funny how this whole thing could have been avoided if Georgia had continued their winning streak, and yet it felt strangely inevitable that Alabama in Atlanta is just the best football team maybe of all time. Like, honestly, it feels like if Alabama played a Super Bowl in Atlanta, they'd find a way to win. But uh, it would be uh, to go off of what David said. It is true. Like, if Alabama and Florida State played each other, Bama, I mean, would be a betting favorite. Absolutely. And that's where you get a question of how much do the games, like we've talked about, best versus most deserving. Like, should Florida State be penalized because of an injury out of their control? Or um, should Alabama be rewarded for uh, being able to, for their improvement? And, I mean, I'm personally very happy I don't have to make that decision because, you know, uh, Florida State, Texas, and Alabama are known for very level-headed fan bases that would in no such way be angry with the final results, whatever they may be. But, uh, yeah, this was – it's always – nostalgic like at the end of the conference championship it's like man i've only got bowl season then i gotta wait another eight months but uh it is the first time probably since really 2017 we've got actual intrigue going into sunday morning so yeah uh great weekend overall i agree with you mark it is a great weekend if you just if you're if you don't have a dog in the fight this is very this is very amusing stuff and i don't my my team was completely Complete garbage this year, so that makes it so much easier. It's a relief. Um, last year, I actually was right up until the championship weekend, like, oh my gosh, are we going to make it in or not? Um, and that that makes me relieved. I'm at I've reached a point in my life where I'm relieved when my team isn't part of it um, because it just it's far stress. It's more stress free, especially when I have to cover them. Um, let's see here. I'm going to let up John. Um, whenever you get a chance, John, unmute. Would love to hear from you. Because he's dynamic. My only thing is that results have to matter, and that. Just the fact that Texas had to against Bama and Florida State being undefeated. I've seen a bunch of people who have been saying that Georgia and Bama should both be let in if it's a best four teams argument. Well, I, I, I'm going to say I don't think we're going to see. Unfortunately, Georgia picked probably the worst week of their entire, you know, uh, 29 game streak to have that that loss because this is this is with so many it's so funny it, like last year when TCU lost to K State they still managed to get in because there just weren't that many good teams to pick from this year it's tough it's absolutely tough and I don't I would be that would be the one result I'd be the most shocked of I wouldn't be surprised if there's a scenario where we see you know Michigan Washington Alabama or Texas and Florida State and then Georgia would be the first team out. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see that. Um, but uh, I think it's going to be tough to see them both in. That's for sure. I would hope so. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, Sankey is going to be we, – we heard – I mean, that was funny too. I'm sure some of you heard Sankey's kind of – I mean, that's what he, they pay him to do, right? I mean, he was lobbying so hard <laughs> for, for, for getting these teams in. And then and Kirby, you know, uh, Coach Kirby Smarter, lots of respect for him. That's, you know, in his postgame presser, he was absolutely – starting to sell that, you know, like this is, it would be a shame if this team wasn't, you know, wasn't the best team. So we'll see how that goes. Hey, Waterboy, what's going on? It's great to have you up here as a co-host. I know you were helping us. You are in the press box yesterday of both the Pac-12 title game and, and the press box just this afternoon since it was in Vegas. Figured why not? You were there for, uh, for the uh, Boise State, you, you and LV. But we'll set that one aside. I'm more interested to think, what, what are your thoughts right now in terms of uh, the CFP? I think John, who was just up, is 100% right. Results should matter. 
And the results was Florida State, they won all their games. Texas, they went to Alabama and beat Bama in their place. And Bama just beat Georgia. So if results matter, Florida State's in, Texas is in. We know Michigan and Washington are in. Uh, pretty sure they're going to keep those one, two in that order, which would mean the SEC is out. They get the five and six spots. That, the the running joke about that is what on earth would happen there? Do we suddenly see a siege appear in Dallas on the, uh, the CFB headquarters? Um, yeah, I think Paul, <laughs> Paul Feinbaum said he was going to like sit outside with uh, his pitchfork uh, if they leave the SEC out. Yeah, it's absolutely going to be fascinating to see if they would dare do that in the last week. Of course, you know, if you want to get the most passionate fan bases, I mean, pound for pound in America, really into the idea of expanding the playoff, that would certainly be one way to see it done. Yeah. yeah. So please stay you up know, here. I'm going to go ahead and let up one other person, too. Let's see here. I think, Brandon, I think I've seen your uh, hand up for a while. And again, I apologize if I'm not going in perfect order. It's just kind of almost a little bit randomized with how it looks like on my end of it. But Brandon, what's on your mind? Yeah, I liked your your thoughts about uh, SMU and Liberty being up there. I'd like to just add a team. Um, JMU, I know they're a one-loss team, but I think that they're the second-best one-loss team right behind Alabama. And honestly, I wouldn't really like to see Florida State in the top five because with Jordan Travis, maybe they're a top-four team. But who wants to watch Brock Glenn get demolished by whatever team they're going to play if they get in. Yeah, that's that's kind of one of the interesting points to all of this, too. I mean, I personally think if they're doing best teams, that would be a really strong argument against Florida State because at this point, especially now that they're down two quarterbacks, and we saw exactly how much they struggled um, today against Louisville, and Louisville was playing the kind of game Louisville likes to play where they just sort of grab you, pull you to the ground, and hope to beat you with a running game. But as it turns out, Florida State can defend the run, and their defense has been absolutely stellar. That's been, you know, that's been what's kept them in some of these games, and it certainly has kept them going. But, yeah, it, it seems like we're setting up a situation where Florida State's going to be the one, the team everybody wants to play against in the playoff and is is likely to get demolished. I mean, I, I don't, you know, the games are played on the field. I acknowledge that. But this Florida State team, and it stinks because we're penalizing them for, a, for an injury, but unfortunately that does seem to change the characteristic of them. If we're doing that, you know, the best teams, that, that would be the argument. But all of that said, you know, the, the committee, Boo Corrigan, all the respect to him, he's got a tough job because he's got to go out there and explain it to everybody, um, you know, what a group of people are thinking. And, and uh, Bill Hancock, the executive director, they tend, to, they tend to talk in both directions. They tend to say one thing, and then we see how the committee votes, and it's another direction. So as much as they talk about best teams, I think Florida State might just have to get in because they want to do this, this entire most deserving aspect of it will sort of creep its way in. And, and, and the idea of penalizing an undefeated you know, Power 5 team seems to be something they just don't want to do. But uh, yeah. I was just going to add, if they do, and Florida State's left out, it just goes Yeah, I think it, um, on my end, that audio kind of broke up a little bit there. Hey, uh, Chris, I let you up, Chris Derrett. Um, <laughs> it's good to see you. What's going on? Yeah, I, I just kind of had a uh, uh, maybe a broader question or topic of discussion. So I, I'm personally really looking forward to 12 teams. Um, I, I think that, uh, to be frank, 
there's maybe six to eight that are serious title contenders, but I think that 12 allows a little bit of wiggle room. However, my, my, my question and my, my thought is, I, I wonder if a year like this at playing devil's advocate, um, I wonder if that uh, makes, boom, sorry. I wonder if that, that makes the, um, the, you know, the regular season or the championship games, if that dev- devalues that in any, in any way, shape or form. Um, again, I'm, I'm really in favor of the, the 12 team playoff, but, uh, being devil's advocate, I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on, you know, the topic, the, the conversations that we're having right now, you know, does that, does that water down the regular season or the conference championship games, um, in any way? You know, personally, when I, I don't think they necessarily water it down. I think what we're going to see is a sense that the, uh, the conference semi pardon me, the conference championship games are going to be almost in some areas play in games, if not for guaranteed spots, uh, opportunities to impress as at, as at large teams. Mm-hmm. So I could see some teams potentially, like, you know, let's say a Georgia, exactly like what we just saw, plow right through, then, you know, get tripped up by Alabama because we see that inevitability of Alabama and Atlanta or however you want to look at it. So suddenly, Georgia's got one loss and they would still be able to get in. But then maybe if Alabama had lost twice, they would have been out. So instead you see those two teams go in. So I could see in the 12 team playoff and there's many other variations. Uh, it's a little late. So I'm not being as creative as I sure, like, so sure. I apologize, but uh, I, uh, I could see situations where it could be a play in game, especially for some teams that might be on the edge or on the bubble. Um, and I think that's what we're going to be talking about. It's going to be more to, to borrow that college basketball term. We're going to be talking about kind of bubble teams. In this regard, but you know that'll be something neat to see next year. It's always fun to talk about this stuff and then see how it plays out in practice. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'm glad we're going to get somebody's going to be really angry tomorrow. <laughs> There's just no way around it. I was if everyone had won out as you know an ideal situation, the Pac-12 was just a coin flip. It didn't matter who was going to win the Pac-12. But you know, if Georgia had won, if Michigan obviously won, and if Florida State won, we would have ended up with this kind of perfect situation where the the committee gets to kind of laugh it off. And, and if Tulane had won too, then everything would have been simple. But nope, nope. <laughs> yes. we, we get a little bit of chaos yes. last week. We, we were riding too smooth for too long. It just it became inevitable, and here we are. Um, yeah, man. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you for the time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Let's see here, Andrew. I'm going to let you up next. So many folks are in the queue. I want to get as many of you up here as I can, um, just because we'd like to to hear from you. What's going on, Andrew? Oh, man, living the dream. Like you were saying, I don't have a, a, a horse in this race, but I think it's pretty cut and dry. Washington, undefeated conference champ. Michigan, undefeated conference champ. Florida State, undefeated conference champ. And then Bama and Texas are one-loss champs. How do you work that out? Head-to-head, Texas won at Bama. This is not that hard. I really hope the committee gets it right. Um, but you can make arguments for other ones. People want to say four best teams. It's like if they do that, then they're basically admitting if – they, if they leave out Florida State when they won all their games, they're basically admitting that the regular season doesn't matter. And they can't do that. <laughs> the regular season has to matter. This has to be merit-based, and that's how I feel about it. Yeah, and I think you've hit the nail on the head, and that's going to be the strongest argument for Florida State. I, I and Because I could see – because we also think about who's on that committee. Like, there's a lot of folks who have been in this for a while. They, they kind of – you know, the, we've watched how college football has evolved very, very slowly. 
each year? Like, I mean, how long did it take for those of us who are old enough to even get a BCS? Like 98 was like such a radical notion. Like we're actually going to get number one versus number two. Holy cow. And then after so many years of that nonsense where the computers kept spitting out the wrong numbers and then they had to change it and then they got devalued the humans and revalued the humans, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then, you know, so we are here now and, and with these rules, I think they want to lean more on the fact that they want to honor the teams that went undefeated. And that will be the team's so-called most deserving versus the best teams. And I think, you know, like it or hate it, I, I think that's going to keep Florida State in. I, I could be surprised. I'm looking. Again, we've got three teams, Alabama, Florida State, Texas. Any three of those could fit in those two spots that are going to be left that are now, you know, Michigan and Washington are obviously taking locking up two of those. But yeah, it's it's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful for conversation. But my gosh, some people are going to be really, really frustrated there. Let's see here. Um, Jeremy, I'm going to let you up next. Uh, again, I'm trying to move through. For those of you who've ever been with us on a Tuesday night show, we tend to stick around a lot longer with our callers and have a conversation. But I see so many of y'all. I want to get as many of your thoughts up here. Jeremy, you've been super patient. What's on your mind? First of all, I would like to acknowledge how perfectly imperfect college football is. And deep down, that's why all of us love it. And tonight is a perfect reminder of that, except in the fact that everything worked out perfectly, except for the SEC. I apologize to the SEC, but once again, you have to win all your games. It's unfortunate that Alabama had to come in and destroy Georgia's winning streak like that. It does make the, um, the other implications besides just the on-field performance aspect of whatever the committee is going to review that much more complicated. But the SEC did not have a great year this year, and Texas has the head-to-head win over the team that is directly competing for their spot in the playoff. You can't leave out Florida State. You can't leave out Washington. You certainly can't leave out Michigan. It's just hilarious that this happens in the final year of the 14 playoff. And it's just brilliant, brilliant work by the college football gods. I live in Oregon. I've heard for years how the SEC is better at everything. I've seen all the bias from every single major media outlet, specifically ESPN, who has the SEC network about how much better the SEC is at everything else. And this is honestly what they deserve this year. You can't schedule a round of cupcakes with two weeks left in the season, only play eight conference games, and then get mad when your resume isn't holding up compared to the rest of the other deserving contending teams. It's perfect that this is the way the the playoff has to end and i cannot wait for 12 teams <laughs> can i jump in oh yeah absolutely go right ahead water boy i just want to say i think jeremy's my new best friend <laughs> oh my god couldn't agree great. more couldn't agree oh. more <laughs> all right let's see here i want to get to as many folks as possible dean i've let you up what's on your mind yeah um my take is a couple of things really is uh, first question is, uh, first thing is, Florida State's in 100%, but are they in at number three or number four? That's going to be a big deal because if uh, Florida State is three, they'd probably play Washington, 
And if Texas comes in at four, uh, then you got two, you know, a quality matchup, Texas versus Michigan in that first first semifinal. Also, I want to go to about the point about, you know, players being hurt, quarterbacks, you know, backup quarterback, third string quarterback. I think of the NFL and also Cardell Jones when Ohio State won it. I mean, you think of like the Eagles when their starter got knocked out, Nick Foles comes in, they go to the Super Bowl and win it. I think it's good just to keep the human element out of it, like keep the opinion opinions out of it and make it simple. It's real, real simple. Michigan, number one. Washington, number two. Florida State, number three. And I would put Texas because they won the head-to-head battle. That's it. Hey, thanks for joining us, Dean. You know, the first one, I got to say, though, Brock Glenn didn't, uh, the third string QB for Florida State did not quite look like Cardell Jones. But um, uh, <laughs> I think it's, a, it's an interesting comparison. And, and I'm not, there's nothing, I'm trying not to say he's a freshman. So throwing him into that situation, certainly not something he expected to be in. Um, and he didn't quite step him. That's not to say he's doomed for the rest of his career. I, plenty of quarterbacks will improve with time, but. That was an awkward one after Tate Rodemaker couldn't play. Um, but Speaking of time, Florida State does have a month until that next game. That's a great point. So we can see if they heal up right. And, you know, I, I do love Dean's point about I personally think they're going to be number four. I think no matter who they, they, they're going to keep them in, but they're going to feel obligated to kind of, uh, to kind of stick, um, to, 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 you know, kind of split the difference like – Best team versus most deserving team. By most deserving team, they're, they're going to probably include them in the top four. But as best team, they're going to stick them at number four. So I think, yeah, they'll probably end up against Michigan. It's actually kind of interesting, too. And I know um, the Waterboy and I have had this conversation a while back about who, because the way, if you know the way the playoff rankings work, the first ranked team also gets to pick which of the two semifinal games they play in, or which site, I should say. So does Michigan pick the Rose Bowl just for, you know, old time's sake, or do they pick the Sugar Bowl? If you're going against Florida State, I wouldn't want to play in the Superdome because I could totally see Florida State absolutely showing up. They'll show up anywhere. I mean, the first game I ever went to in college was Florida State at USC, and they showed up. They absolutely showed up to that game, and that was, you know, 1997. Um, But, uh, you know, looking at Michigan, you know, or, you know, I'd be curious to see, what do you think, Waterboy? I actually would love to have your thought on that. I mean, you're you're from LA, and I live in Southern California. We both know Michigan has a huge like population fan base in Southern California. When they're you know when their basketball teams out there playing, tons of uh, fans are there. When their baseball team played UCLA, and I was at that uh, game, Michigan had half the stadium. They like the that's their West Coast base is Southern California, so they would pick the Rose Bowl. Yeah, so that's kind of an interesting one too. So that would leave that would leave an interesting situation with. Washington and whomever in the Sugar Bowl this year, because um, that's that's kind of how it ends up uh, being uh, decided there. Excuse me, Ooh, man, it's late. Let's see here. I want to allow some other conversation, um, some other thoughts in here. Let me see here. And again, I apologize. I'm just kind of going based on names I've seen around for a while. I'm going to let up Frank uh, Frank Core. And um, for those of you who've never done a Twitter space, it's kind of funny. There's a slight time delay, so once you get let up here, you'll be suddenly jarred forward into the live conversation so don't be startled if it happens but anyway thank you for your patience frank what's on your mind hey it's nice to join you guys i just want to put it out there i mean yeah results will matter florida state is definitely undefeated you know they are the championship team but they just beat louisville who got 
who lost to Kentucky last week, and Kentucky got absolutely smoked by both by both Alabama and Georgia. I mean, how are we putting a team that's going to be arguably a three touchdown underdog to anybody that's top ten? I would just like to know. You know, and I you, you keep nail, hitting the nail on the head that I think some of us believe. I, I think if we're looking at best teams, Florida State, it's hard to put them there just based on what we're seeing now. But at the same time, the most deserving thing that, that seems to be an, a strong undertow despite the denials of the uh, Boo Corrigan and, um, and uh, uh, Bill Hancock at the CFP, you know, we'll probably see a little bit of that. Um, they, they've done that before. I mean, it was like the first CFP ranking when Ohio State and Georgia and when Ohio State kind of was still ahead of Georgia, there was some question like, well, are they valuing, you know, the, the win over Notre Dame or how are they valuing some of these other things? Um, and then they'll still say things that, that conflict because then if you if they say we're ranking them all by their quality of wins and by their resume, then you look at their resume and you said you should have actually re-ranked them differently. How much of this is name inertia? How much of this is, is um, perception? Unfortunately, you know, it's there's so much human factor and human element in it. It's never quite perfect. Let's see here. I'm going to let up uh, Deep, Deep Barot. And I apologize if I'm mangling that. My name's Bob Akhairi, so I, I've been on the receiving end many times before, so I always feel bad about that. But uh, Deep, what's going on? Oh, feel free to unmute as we work that out. I'm going to let up somebody it's that, else. It's that oh, wait. tricky unmute button. Oh, you know, this system is, trust me, <laughs> we've been on a roll. I can't tell you how many times we do one of these you know, the system just either spit somebody out or who knows. But let's hear Florida Buckeye 21. What is hey, going on? Feel free to unmute. No, what's up? And thanks for having me. Just really quick. So because you're already seeing people on the media from ESPN and, and even on Fox, sadly, just throwing Alabama in. So if they're going to do that, we just shouldn't play any more games. We should just go off recruiting rankings, which, by the way, would be great for Ohio State. We'd make it every year. I, I just think I think this is really, really, really awful and unfair to Florida State if they don't make it. Florida State should be four. Make them go to California and play Washington. Let the Wolverines in Texas play in New Orleans. And, and like, I'm sorry to the SEC. You'll be all right. Things are going to be okay. That's all. Thanks for having me. Thanks. That would be special if, if Washington was number one and they played in the Rose Bowl and they got to the championship game as uh, the last Pac-12 team. Well, the Pac-12 as we know it. That would that would be nice. Absolutely. Hey, uh, Ski Mask Smurphy, what's going on? It's always great to hear from you. I've just been watching the nonsense for. It seems like the whole day, everyone has been saying, "Hey, put in Alabama or Georgia over FSU," and it's been like a weird thing to see. And the only person who sort of gone against it was Urban Meyer, basically saying, "You know, they want a title with the third-string quarterback, even though you know." Glenn Beck and Carter Jones don't look the same. But I think the other thing to consider with people saying they're on their third string quarterback is that Florida State um, Rodemaker, he was a game time decision today, which means by New Year's, he will more than likely be able to play, which he definitely performed better than Beck. If you saw this team today, you could say this team, this team with a quarterback better than the current quarterback. Are they going to say they're going to win a title? No, but they're going to at least be competitive with any of the other three teams, the other three teams who we think may get in there. And also the whole – some people – seemed like people were predicting Florida State to lose and were saying, yeah, Georgia and Bama are going to get in. It's, 
I don't know what it is with everyone's love for the SEC, but it's getting a little bit too much now. You know, that, that's an interesting point, too, because, um, you know, the injury recovery thing that several of you brought up, I think that's going to be another key factor that especially the committee's going to – the committee, it, it was kind of funny. Week Again, week after week, you would listen to how they would talk about why they ranked teams when they were. At one point, they would say things where you'd be kind of like, for real, that, that's why you're, you're holding one team above another. One year, when one week it was – they were talking about how strong Rutgers' defense was. Um, as a strong reason of why they've kept Ohio State in the position um, above, I believe, I think it was still when they were ahead of Georgia. Another week they were talking about how tough Florida State and Miami played, um, you know, how Miami was a rivalry game, and that's why they kept Florida State where they did. You know, so they love to hook in to the little things that kind of help them fill out their their opinion, and they'll backfill you know, the, the top 25 that they create to also legitimize maybe who's where you kind of see a team that you're kind of questioning, well, why did you pick, why did K-State survive and, and another team did not? But um, I think you're right. I think that the, listening to a couple of you talk about that, I think they're going to lock into the fact that Rodemaker would almost certainly be back by the semifinal to, to give that boost or benefit of the doubt to Florida State if they decide to, to keep him there. And I genuinely do think um, they will. Let's see here. Um, Dan, I saw you've been also one of the, again, I'm going to try to get as many of you guys as, as I can, and, and the, the line keeps building. Um, this is a little unusual. We don't usually do such a late Sunday night show, but I'm trying to get as many of you as we can. Dan, what's going on? Yeah, just on the point regarding the injury, should it even matter? I mean, they went 13-0 and with the injured quarterback, second, you know, second string quarterback, third string quarterback, whatever they did to get there. They went 13 and 0. If they use their fifth string quarterback, their seventh string running back, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. You, you know, you went 13 and 0. We're not looking for an excuse of, oh, hey, they did lose a game and it was because they had their backup quarterback or they lost a the game because they, I had their third string quarterback. It should even take them a step higher than the fact that they did go 13 and 0, having to play with a backup quarterback and a second string quarterback. This whole conversation, I, like if this was the BCS, We'd be looking at three teams and being like, oh, no, we got three unbeatens and we can only get two in. What should we do? Well, fortunately, we have four spots. So we got three in. And then we got the next three very easily laid out where you had one team beat the other team and win their championship. But then the team from the other conference has the same record and beat that team directly at home for the Alabama team. It's never been simpler. That's why I think this is really confusing that for some reason we're having issues with trying to understand how the top four teams are. It's never been easier to identify the top four teams. And for some reason, everybody's hung up on these teams because they're from the SEC. You know, it's going to be kind of interesting to uh, to see. I think Florida State's going to be in. And I think for all the reasons that have been stated, again, I don't know if I would agree with it if I were picking the best teams, but I think the real battle is going to be over the, the, the arguments for Texas and Alabama. And you're right, Texas has a head-to-head. Earlier in the season, that was an interesting Alabama team, and they kind of found their way, especially when they started to let Jalen Milrow run a little bit more and, and the fewers like the sacks yeah. just stopped happening. But I get it. I mean, I'm not saying – I'm not saying – you know, I'm but, just saying I could see that's the Yeah, but I think what feels the fate of that argument is the same argument was being had about Oregon being better than Washington now. They played each other before. After Oregon yeah. and Washington played each other, everybody's like, oh, Oregon's looking really <laughs> good now. They're a better team. Washington's really fallen off. Well, 24 hours before Alabama and Georgia played, and we have this conversation about Texas versus Alabama again, we just saw the same result happen with Washington and Oregon. Oregon's favored by nine. 
how does Washington have a chance? Vegas would pick this team, therefore they should be in. And then Washington flipped the script. So now to all of a sudden suspense that information in our minds and think, oh no, maybe Alabama should be in because maybe they'd be favored by eight or 10 or nine. How do you use that argument when 24 hours you just got hit in the face with the fact that Washington was still better? Uh, it's an interesting argument. Hey, Waterboy, I well, know you were at the Pac-12 title game. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. I mean, that was that was that was really really well said. Uh, if <laughs> if you're going to say Alabama's the better team now, I everyone exactly was saying Oregon's the better team now before we got to the actual game. Turns out Washington's still the better team. You know, and if Texas played Alabama. We may see Texas is still the better team. We saw it once in Bama. And speaking of Bama, we're giving a ton of credit for being Georgia. Absolutely. And then we're just discounting the fact that it took a near miracle to beat Auburn. Yeah, that's, you know, how quickly we forget that incredible fourth and 31. I do think, by the way, my favorite comment I ever heard about that was, I do hope Tuscaloosa makes a special holiday and a fake April 31st to 431, just kind of replace May 1st for one year in the, in the town of Tuscaloosa, just to celebrate that, that great moment in the rivalry. Hey, uh, Ski Master Murphy, I saw your hand up, and then I'd love to, to, to talk to, um, I guess, Big Lord Snow. Yeah, I wanted to go off that Auburn point about how they, you know, they barely beat them, but also because they keep discussing backup quarterbacks. Alabama took out their starting quarterback, and they could barely beat USF, so we're Putting in backup quarterbacks, Alabama should definitely drop down a lot. <laughs> That's an interesting argument there. Hey, uh, so Big Lord Snow, you've been super patient. What's on your mind? Well, I'm going to drop a little knowledge, a little facts on you guys. So the SEC and the non-con uh, record this year against Power 5 was 7-9. and nine. In a non-Power 5 game, Auburn lost to New Mexico State at Auburn. Um, then the following next week, Alabama barely beats Auburn. Um, the whole thing of like SEC being a strong conference this year is complete garbage. Um, I think there's an actual argument too that Washington should be number one. Uh, I think they, out of the undefeated teams, they have the strongest strength of schedule, uh, the best wins. Um, Pac-12 arguably was the best conference this year. Uh, and I'm going to be in a little bit defense of uh, Florida State. I'm not a Florida State fan, but the fact that they went 13 and 0, won two games with one uh, the backup quarterback, and then uh, today with uh, the third string quarterback. And I think you had somebody on early, just a little bit earlier talking about how well Louisville got beat by Kentucky, and Kentucky got boat raced by you know these other teams and everything like that. Well. Uh, last time I checked, uh, Louisville only scored six points, two field goals against Florida State with a third-string quarterback. Uh, looked absolutely horrible on offense. Uh, Florida State's defense looks absolutely a top-four team. And again, uh, reiterate what some other people were saying, you know, give them a month. You know, maybe the backup quarterback, I don't know what the guy's name is, uh, Florida State, maybe he might be healthy to, to play. He looked decent last week. Um, in the win against Florida, um, again, you know, Florida State has beat LSU neutral site, beat Florida in Gainesville, Florida lost to Utah. Um, what's I mean, I can just go on and on of the SEC teams that you know, uh, South Carolina lost to Clemson, um, Alabama lost to Texas in Tuscaloosa. So, I mean, the the 
if any year there was a year for the SEC to be left out, it's definitely this year. They don't deserve to be in. Uh, the fact that, you know, people were saying um, the national pundits, ESPN, Fox, even CBS during their telecast of the SEC championship game that, you know, both teams should be in. Why, why, why would Florida State even play the uh, ACC championship game if even if they win, it doesn't matter. They're not going to get in going undefeated. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting thought, too, because I think bowl season is going to be very fascinating to see how the SEC does, because they did certainly. I guess a uh, question for the people that are uh, 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 speakers right now. Um, assuming we have the uh, top four that everyone's been talking about for the last uh, 45 minutes. Um, what is your guys' biggest sickos pick for uh, near six bowls? I think for me personally, I would love to see Alabama Liberty in the Fiesta Bowl just just for the just for the laughs. <laughs> yeah, that'll be really interesting to see. I forgot exactly how they're handling the picks for the G five team this year, but um, I was actually that kind of feeds into what I was about to say. I think the bowl season is going to be fascinating to see how the hey, SEC. Waterball, do you know what's going on with the uh, with uh, Bobbitt's uh, uh, mic? I think he might be out. I think something might be going on, on his end. I can hear. I can hear uh, Bobak just fine. Yeah, I can hear okay, him. Good. I can hear you. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Well, John, John's having what John's having what happens to me sometimes. Like for those who've ever been on a, a Twitter space, sometimes my mic's the one where I can't actually hear the person talking. So that's the first time it's ever reversed, and it's actually one of the callers who can't hear me. Um, yeah, okay, yeah. So different. yeah, that was different. Um, but now I know what it's like when when I do that to people. Um, yeah, you disappear, and we're like, "What happened?" <laughs> yeah. So, um, no, no. But going back to that, I think it's going to be interesting to see how bowl season works out here. One of the funnier ones before before New Mexico State decided to beat them at home, Auburn's win over Cal was like one of the handful of wins the SEC had in the and as well. Although Mississippi State had an overtime win over Arizona um, when people weren't even sure what Arizona was until they started kind of getting themselves together midway through the season. Oddly enough. Backup quarterback stepped up. So if you want to talk about the strength of a backup quarterback, Arizona became a completely different team after they switched quarterbacks. So, you know, it, it's fascinating how those sorts of things work out. I want to get some more folks. Yeah, up can here. I say that's a that's a quality win for Washington too, after that. Uh, you know, people were dogging on Washington because they barely beat Arizona at Arizona, but it turned out to be a quality win because they went on a run. And, you know, if Oregon State would have beat Oregon, we would have been playing Arizona in the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's one of those funnier things, especially that's why I'm glad that at least the CFP waits halfway through the season to start their ranking process so we get a little better sense. I mean, I was I predicting, one, I remember. Can I, before can I ask that one first, quick question? Sure. Uh, I was just going to say, so do all you guys think that Michigan – should be ranked ahead of Washington, that their resume yeah, oh, yeah, you brought that is, up. You is know, better. I, I is thought better. That's an, there's an interesting argument both ways for that, because I remember when I was kind of putting my own kind of um, like sort of a draft ranking together, I was really on the fence on Washington versus Michigan. I mean, up until Michigan started to pull away from Iowa, I was kind of a little more hesitant. But then looking at how Michigan beat Iowa, I, I'm a little bit – I was just kind of predicting pull momentum pushing them up to number one, but I could see um, some arguments. Would you compare uh, Iowa to Oregon, though? Can I jump in? Sure. So over the course of the season, uh, Washington had more, like, top wins, for sure. But the flip side, over the course of the season, Michigan was way more consistent, where Washington was often, like, 
playing with fire to to win some of those games uh, at the end of the games. See the Apple Cup, for example. You know, Michigan's only real tight game was Ohio State. Yeah, but look at their strength of the record of the the opponents that they played against. I, I think that has to do with a lot of it. I live in the West Coast, and, and, and I'd love nothing more to see the pack go out on top. When the previous commenter said the Pac-12 was the best conference this year, it brought a little tear to my eye. I'm just saying both ways. I can see it because Washington has all those quality wins, but also I can see it because Michigan had all that dominance consistently from week one right through the Iowa game. Okay, I'll just so, say this real quick. Oregon also had a dominant wins other than the loss to Washington in October. And then they were predicting, you know, Las Vegas had them in a nine and a half point favored in the championship game, Pac-12 championship game. And we showed that that really doesn't matter of, you know, if you're dominating weaker teams. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and let's go to quickly go to Frank Ski Murphy and then deep you're back up here. I see you. Uh, Frank, what's on your mind? I just have a quick question for you guys since we're going off of, I mean, I'm reading through Twitter right now and everyone that I'm seeing is even before the Florida state Louisville game, everyone's rooting for Louisville to win just to get in, you know, quotations, these bum Florida States to out of the playoffs to make it a little more competitive. And I mean, we're going off of sports books right now. I'm looking at Caesars. I mean, we got Michigan at plus plus one twenty. We got Texas and Alabama at 400. We got Washington at 450, and Florida State just jumped up from 1300 to 1500. I mean, it's got to say something at this point, right? Everyone's everyone was rooting against Florida State, and the books have no love for them at all. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and I, it's going to be interesting to see how how much of a spread it's going to be. If, if I mean, assuming Florida State gets in and who they end up against, Ski Master Murphy, what's your thought? Oh, uh, this was another book. This about the guy asking if Michigan should be ranked number one. As a Michigan grad and fan, no, it's it's obviously Washington. I mean, when you when you look at Washington's schedule versus all the other undefeated schedules, Washington has a schedule where they had the most teams. Where it, even if even if Michigan or Florida State or anyone else is put in there, you'd say, "Hey, there's a chance they can lose this game for like at least over half their schedule." That's just how good the Pac-12 was. Even though they even though you would say, you know, Washington was just flying by the flying by barely is like they survived the gauntlet you survived the gauntlet you're number one absolutely let's see here uh deep what's going on yeah good uh good evening everybody um you know it's gonna be a long uh, 12 hours for now it's it's been a long 14 years of, of pain and misery for us and so it's uh, it's great to kind of uh, get back and win the big 12 title and and be 12 and one but you know uh Ah oh, man, uh, it's it's a tough one, isn't it? Uh, between Alabama and Texas, I, I know that some people say you know maybe thirteen and zero FSU should be be left out, but let's just be honest. I mean, you know, it just makes no logical sense to leave out an undefeated conference uh, champion. And uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, I think I may be the only Texas fan up here, but I'll tell you guys. It's going to be a heartbreak here if uh, if we do get left out, uh, a real heartbreaker because we we did beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa by ten by double digits, but Alabama beat what uh, the committee considered the number one seed uh, entering, and they had uh, what a twenty nine 
uh, game win streak and there were the defending champions in Georgia, right? Uh, you know, I think I think the only solace for us is that Quinn uh, Quinn Evers, our quarterback, he'll be he'll be back next year. Uh, there's a good chance of that. So uh, so maybe we'll make another playoff run next year. But yeah, I'm just curious to hear you guys' thoughts. Pinned it in the nest as well. But yeah, it's going to be a tough one, man. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's going to be the the big question. It, it's the Texas versus Alabama, I think, for that that spot that, assumably, because again, I'm assuming Florida State's going to be kept in. I'm assuming they're going to put them at number four to kind of split the difference on most deserving and best team. Um, if they look at head-to-head, it'll probably be Texas if they try to... Again, I think that Auburn game, and again, you guys out there, those of you folks who are joining us, giving your thoughts, you're bringing up great points, that Auburn game really kind of took the luster off of Alabama, seeming like an unstoppable, you know, Alabama has somehow found itself in, and turned into Death Star mode. And then, you know, Auburn, Auburn, there's still a guy waiting on in Jordan Hare, like waiting for being a spy. He's still standing out there waiting for uh, Jalen Milrow to, to do a run he never did. But I mean, that that was the moment where where it suddenly seemed a little bit weaker and now I think that may have arguably been a good moment for Texas um, in all of this. Yeah, but I mean, you know, uh, you talk about these games in the regular season, and of course Auburn was uh, was a rivalry game. It was uh, it was like a, a very big uh, kind of game for uh, for both uh, both teams. You know, I mean, you know, uh, I don't know how much you guys uh, follow Big Twelve football, but uh, you know, as a, as a Texas uh, fan, uh, we we've had some some difficult patches. Like uh, in in our season, we did lose to OU by three, um, and of course, we also barely beat uh, Kansas State as well. Um, you know, we've had some uh, some challenging uh, games, and so you know, I think you know, that it's interesting that you made. bring that up because I thought before. If it was going to be Texas versus Oregon, that was where I was going to be a little bit more. I was ready to say, like, well, you know, uh, you know, Texas lost to you know a strong rival Oklahoma, although it looked weaker in the back end. But yeah, you know, when OU beat them, it was in the neutral site. When you know, if had had Oregon won, it would have been well. Oregon lost also in a very close game, but it was at Washington. And if they were able to beat Washington on a neutral field in Vegas, then suddenly it's like, okay, wait, no, maybe you know, taking that. Uh, stadium out of it perhaps Oregon was a stronger team Washington proved us all wrong as we've talked about they've earned their spot good for them um I don't think anyone's going to question them right now and I, I certainly agree that short of pull momentum I I would I think Washington seems to be the stronger team at the moment if you were going to rank them but with Texas I think what impressed me with Texas is it looked weird I mean I agree immediately after the Red River rivalry both teams seemed odd they seemed off um we saw you know obviously that unfortunate houston game where uh ewers got injured and obviously he's now healthy again but you know they nearly again so houston races back into it then we saw a couple of other games like that with uh, tcu k-state i've got those out of order um but then for me the turning point was watching how texas did on the road at iowa state you know asserting themselves not falling into the the trap and aims that that you know everyone was sort of pointing to because we were um, history of being a guide showed that Texas t- typically when they would start to inexplicably fall apart, it would be in a game like that. And then obviously 57 to seven, just domination of Texas tech, la- probably yeah, Texas tech last week. And then going into the big 10, probably the big 12 title game domination again. So it almost feels like we're seeing Texas finishing up pretty strong while 
uh, Alabama had kind of that weird game against their rival. And again, yeah, it's a rivalry game, but Auburn is not the same as Oklahoma. I mean, so, you know. so, so you, you, you got Texas in over Alabama, I guess, for that for that final spot. The more I say that out, the more I sound like I'm putting Texas in. So it's kind of fun how I, I was actually looking forward to, to putting on this Twitter space because it, it's fun to hear and talk to so many of you because you kind of you kind of think it out. It, it's fun to, to yeah, because because, you know, I mean, look, uh, and, and you're talking to like a Texas fan and alum as well. I'll, I'll tell you. You know, it's. Uh, I, I think we deserve to be in. I think. I think a lot of people here say that we deserve to be in. Um, I'll, I'll take. And I. I really don't. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're one to four. At the end of the day, you guys have a have a chance at the national title. The the problem is is that uh, they did consider Georgia to be the number one seed entering into the the kind of championship uh, games today. And you know, when you beat the number one team that won twenty nine games in a row. It's kind of hard to not let them in now, and also the defending champions. So that's, that's gonna. I mean, ultimately, I think tomorrow the big the big question is going to be Texas or Alabama. And I couldn't. I don't know if I, I would put a. How do you, I don't know if pick? I would put a, a bet on that. I'm pick? not going to put odds on that one. Hey, if, uh, only, if only we could watch them play each other. Say maybe even let them be <laughs> okay, in yeah. Alabama. I don't know. Maybe if we, <laughs> we did. We did play them. I know. Too. I know. That, that's <laughs> in sweet. Tuscaloosa. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much, Deep. It was great hearing from you. I want to try and get some more folks up here who haven't had a chance to speak yet. Hunter, what's going on? You've been patient. Hey, what's up, honestly? Uh, glad to talk to y'all. Two questions. One, you guys have already kind of talked about. Um, can the committee in good conscience keep out an undefeated Power 5 team? It's never been done before. After this year, it'll probably never be done again. And also, number two, which I don't think people have really talked about, what does SMU's victory over Tulane do for that last New York Six, New York Six slot for G5's teams kind of do to shake up that G5 slot? You know, I mean, we again very super early on in this conversation. So again, I don't blame people if they weren't around. We we're kind of talking that through because with Tulane losing, suddenly it becomes Liberty versus SMU, and the problem is no one really knew where SMU was in the brains of the college football playoff committee because they don't show others receiving votes or anything like that. That's not how they work. So if they were kind of being kept at the edge, like uh, they were talking about them, maybe you can bring them in. Um, it could be that suddenly that victory propels them higher, um, much to the chagrin of the Liberty, uh, the Liberty fans, which I don't think would be entirely shocking. Again, just to kind of reiterate the, 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 the problem Liberty's facing right now. First of all, they have a hard time scheduling tough opponents. Like a lot of teams just don't want anything to do with them. So the problem is going into this season, the preseason magazines like Phil Steele, like the, the respected magazines. Out of 133 FBS programs, they had the 133rd, you know, ranked schedule. So yeah. that that was immediately hurting them. And then um, it wasn't. It's not as bad, only because um, new, no one expected New Mexico State to be a 10-win team like that. That just hasn't happened since like 1960. So that that was a bit of a surprise. And even though it was a, a rematch, that gave them that extra benefit. Now. SMU, yeah, they lost a game to Oklahoma. And Oklahoma, while we were talking about they're not exactly as terrifying as they seemed at one point this season, they're still a strong-ranked team. TCU, a little bit problematic, but, um, but those yeah. two losses, at the same time, watching the team go through and, and beat Memphis, I think being Memphis and Tulane in those last several weeks helps 
Um, and I could see them saying with the G5 and also wonder how much time they're going to leave themselves to talk about the G5 um, after they got to sort through all the stuff we've been talking about with how to fit the four slots in the playoff. I could see them saying something where they, they kind of, they slip them up a little bit higher in the rankings. I, I wouldn't put it, I would not, I, I, I almost think they're going to do that. Some people think, no, it's now liberties and, and maybe SMU will be in at number 25. I'm not sure. It almost seemed like the uh, the G5s were a bit of an afterthought when you'd look at the playoff rankings but um, from week to week. But I, I personally, I think SMU will have the stronger resume, personally. I would, but, yeah, I would think it would be an easy question if it were just Liberty's strength of schedule being dead last in all of FBS. But with Preston Stone breaking his leg, uh, I mean, I know they lost to TCU, but it's a rivalry game, and I think you can throw a lot of things out the window when it comes to rivalry games. But losing Preston Stone is really hard to sort of ignore, kind of like with Florida State and Jordan Travis. Um, I just don't know if everybody can overlook that. Um, it was kind of a close game today with Tulane, especially on that first drive, turning it over and letting Tulane score that first score within, what was it, 10 seconds. Um, it will, I think, be hard to overlook that, but uh, interesting question nonetheless. But what about the the committee leaving out an undefeated Power 5 team? Do you think that's even possible? At this point, I don't think they would. I just personally don't think they – I mean, I don't think they would just based on their own precedent and based on their own approach to all of this. If I were going purely based on best teams, I think they would be in serious danger of not being included in the top four. But simply based on how this playoff committee has operated um, from year to year, I, I would be shocked if they don't. Now, it's going to be very, very interesting to see during, excuse me, during the show and in the people will tweet things from the, uh, the presser after the, the, the final rankings, how um, the, their, the speaker of the committee, Boo Corrigan, is going to explain all of that um, and, and how they came to the decisions they did. It might be quite opaque. Some of his answer, questions and answers are notorious. Um, I, uh, I help run a, a, a podcast for a newspaper group on the playoff committee, and my co-host, CBS sports writer, Shehan J. Raja, had asked him a question like, well, how did you come to deciding you know, ranks five, six, seven? And he basically, his answer was a very circuitous, you know, we look at many factors, blah, 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 and that's how we rank five, six, seven. Like, he didn't actually say how they ranked them. He just said this, these are the things we use to rank them. So it, it's going to be absolute entertainment to see how they come up with an answer of how on earth they, they – uh, why, they why they decided to keep Florida State in and maybe why they decided to also have the best teams because they're going to try and explain both of it somehow, and I'll be very I curious to see. I well, that's cool, man. I appreciate it, and pony up. Y'all have a good night. You too. Water I know what boy, the I know you wanted do. to say something. I know what the committee should do to solve the G5 problem um, and lack of like time. They should take the biggest advocate for Florida State, the biggest advocate for uh, Texas, and the biggest advocate for um, Alabama, and then kick them out and say, you three figure out the G5. Whichever the two out of three vote for, that's what we'll go for. <laughs> All right, let's see here. Um, I want to get as many folks up here who haven't had a chance to speak. Um, let's see here. I think it's... Well, it's Mr. Mr. MR, MR. I'm not quite sure how to read that. But uh, what's on your mind? Oh, looks like we're having a problem with the mic monster not working. Sometimes that happens. Um, all right, no problem here. Let's see. Um, I'm going to go ahead and let up Chives. Uh, so Chives, um, uh, Jarrett, when you get a chance, just feel free to unmute. We'd love to hear from you. All right. <laughs> 
Bob, do you but, mind if I jump in here real quick? Yeah, go ahead and jump in. And Chives, so, if you hear this, just we'd love to get yeah, you up here just, I just on mute. I, I wanted to jump in before, but I wanted to give Mr. Mr. a chance. Uh, I'm looking at FanDuel right now. Odds to make the playoffs. Florida State minus 700. Texas minus 250. Bama at plus 125. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I appreciate that. And again, if you get let up here, do you mind, so, do you mind so if I jump, jump like, in real quick? Ooh, we got a couple Texas people all at once. Uh, uh, do you mind if I jump in real? I, I want to say thanks again for for letting me uh, be a speaker. I'm gonna get off after this, but I just wanted to say uh, one. I'm watching ESPN, and Heather Dinich just said that uh, there's a great possibility that Texas is three, Alabama's four, Georgia's five, and Florida State is six. Also, no, I just thought out of the law. No way. She, she, no, she, I swear no, to God. No. I swear to God. Just, no, 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 she no, just no, said no, that. No, she I'm, I'm backing up Frank. I'm watching his fan as well. She just said it. Fire that um, woman. You know, so, I, I, my joke my joke that hit me during all of this, and I apologize to make light of it, is if that happens, if I'm Florida State, I don't even wait for the next board meeting. I just straight up send a reply all email to the rest of the ACC and just say, we're out, bill us. You know, and just and just join the uh, join whatever the SEC Big Ten like. Just say, look, we'll we'll take whatever deal Washington and Oregon got. Just let us in. Um, so I I, I want uh, so I want to let everybody know that. But also uh, two last things, and like I said, I'll go back to being a listener. Uh, one, um, do you think uh, with the SEC being left out and like I said, having a horrible non-conference record this this year against the Power Five? Um, and then also going to 16 teams in, in their conference next year that they finally go to uh, nine conference games? Or do you think that they're going to still uh, stick at eight? And then also, last thing, um, if Georgia would have won, is there even an argument? Would it just be Georgia, Michigan, Washington, FSU? I think if Georgia had won, yes, it would have been simple for the committee. They would have just been able to say, well, these teams made it all the way through. Good for them. Um now, as far as the SEC, uh, because that's been an interesting question throughout the season, will the SEC shift how they schedule? I could see them still waiting only because we're going to have to see how this 12-team playoff works out. There's so many mysteries with the 12-team playoff and how those at-large spots, the nuances of them are going to go. So for that reason, I, I'd, be, I'd be kind of on the fence about that. I want to let a new person talk who's up here. Jacob, what's going on? Um, Coach Jacob, what, how are you? Doing good, doing good. Appreciate you. Um, yeah, my main things is, you know, I was a little more interested in the Liberty conversation you guys were talking about. Um, kind of, I think, the top end right there. I think you have to do justice to the teams that have played in one. As much as I think most people look and think those two SEC teams are probably two of the best four, but you got to let those four that won get in, I think. And I probably think that's probably where most people look at that. But what I'm intrigued bit, a bit with is that group of five combo. Kind of seeing y'all's thoughts on so, like, with Tulane, um, Tulane losing to SMU and all that, to me it feels like you have to go with Liberty only because you're talking making a New Year Six Bowl. I get strength of schedule and all that, but how do you guys, and like, if y'all are thinking one way or the other, I don't know how you justify a team like SMU. Okay, cool, you can negate the Oklahoma loss, right? But then the other game they lose is to a Power 5 team that's not even bowl eligible. And maybe I'm forgetting, but I can't think of the last time a non- a power, a New Year Six bowl team lost to a non-bowl eligible team and still made it to a New Year Six bowl. So kind of just passing that idea on there and seeing y'all's thoughts on it. Yeah, that's going to be. It's certainly an interesting thought. Um, I, 
you know, I'm trying to think. You had me thinking there about the idea of, especially there have been years where there have been a couple of um, a couple of uh, undefeated in the. Sorry, I'm actually looking it up right now. This has been a couple of what would have been G5s, although it wasn't considered it, it, that. Yes, there we go. 2004. How do I forget? We had the Liberty Bowl, which was um, undefeated Boise State against a one-loss Louisville team, and that was back when Louisville was in Conference USA. So this was basically what we would consider a G5 versus a G5. Man, that was that was a wild game. That ended up being a uh, um, Louisville ended up knocking off an undefeated uh, Boise State team, forty-four to forty. It was a hell of a game. Um, gosh, yeah, Bobby Petrino was at Louisville. Boy, man, sorry, it's just like I'm going down memory lane here. Um, as for Liberty, you know, it's I'm wondering how they're going to look at it. Are they going to say if they're going to go really into this best team thing? And I'm wondering if they're going to use a G5 for that opportunity. And saying, yeah, this best team, this team is is SMU all most deserving, and then is Liberty managed to make it through and feed? Um, it is we schedule going 13 to 0 isn't exactly easy under any circumstance, but same time, I could see looking at Liberty's schedule, they had some really um, they had some really close scrapes with some fairly miserable teams early on in the season before they kind of started to get it together. So it'll be interesting to see, um, be interesting to see how that pans out. Hunter, I know you really wanted to reply to this only because I know you're an SMU guy and I can see your hand up. Um, what's your oh, thought right yes. now? Absolutely. Um, there is just, I mean, when you're looking at your strength of schedule for Liberty compared to SMU or something, I mean, I get it losing to TCU and Oklahoma, but you know, you got to look at that TCU game. It was away in Fort Worth. It was early in the season. It was a rivalry game. It's all of the reasons that we throw out like Texas lost to Oklahoma. It's just not comparable at all when you're looking at a team like Liberty whose strength of schedule is worse than like UT El Paso and UMass and Central Michigan and Eastern Michigan, like all these other teams who have a better strength of schedule than Liberty. It's just not comparable, in my opinion. Sorry, I don't know how to raise my hand, but can I hop back in on that real quick? Yeah, please. Yeah. So I completely get that and everything. My thing is, what I'm looking at is, so Liberty is averaging a margin of victory of 17 points, right? Like, they aren't, they aren't playing close games. They only had one game all season that was a single-digit game. And it was against a bad Sam Houston team for the most part. But it was also the first Tuesday night game they played of the season. So it's the first time that team in program history has played on a Tuesday night. They come in, they still win. And that was their one close game. That was their one not-single-score game. Their one game under a 10-point margin of victory all season. So I get it, strength of schedule 133, but that's out of their control, right? No power five is scheduling them right now because of what they're doing. So it's absolutely fascinating to see how, how, I just want to say, it's absolutely fascinating to see how well Liberty has done, only because Jamie Chadwell at Coastal was phenomenal. And in his first season at Liberty, this is, I think, beyond what anyone expected. He's got uh, Salter, I forgot his first name, the quarterback, who is, Katie. you know, Caden, that's it. He's doing great. I hope they keep him, but I know he was a transfer already. So, um, you know, we'll see how that goes. But I mean, I think, again, not to take anything away from Liberty, I, I am very curious. And I just honestly, for me, this is almost as much of a debate as this whole Alabama versus Texas thing. I could see arguments in both directions or why the committee might go one or the other. The SMU Liberty thing after Tulane lost suddenly actually to me is the other really interesting storyline. Those are the most interesting storylines. Um, Heading into uh, heading into next 
heading into for next week, hang in tomorrow morning. Um, let's see here. I want to allow a couple more people to talk. So let's see, Tyler, you've been super patient. Um, what's on your mind? Yeah, thanks for letting me uh, get on here. Uh, I, I actually pressed the button when I heard Heather on the Sports Center. Um, <laughs> yeah. She, she totally put Florida State at number six, which is wild to me. Um, I, I, I'm probably the only one on here to say that I am not a fan of the new 12-team uh, playoff. I think I've expressed that a lot tonight um, just because I feel that college football in its purest form, um, if you're a two-loss team, you have no business making a shot for the national championship. If there are undefeated, you know, power five teams, um, you know, we're in a situation now where we got three undefeated conference championship teams. One of them is going to get left out because there are two, they're essentially too afraid to uh, make a decision between Texas and Bama, which I know it's tough. You know, there's a lot of good pieces. You know, I've heard a lot of, you know, it's all head to head, but. It was week two versus week, you know, 13 or whatever the case may be. So um, it just, I don't know, pretty pretty wild if they leave Florida State out as an undefeated Power Five conference champion. You know, and I wonder, excuse me, if uh, Heather Dinich was just following the pure best team thing that, because uh, again, just to reiterate, that's what, Bill Hancock keeps emphasizing that they're only looking at the best teams. Well, if you're looking purely at best teams, the team that's going to appear on the field, kind of borrowing the uh, the way the criteria when they're building the basketball tournament where they're looking at the team that's going to be in the tournament, I could see where even if Rodemaker, who is presumably going to be healthy, um, the the backup, the first backup, not the backup to the backup, the, the first backup quarterback is going to be healthy by New Year's, who would you favor against the teams above them? And then I could see that argument. But for the reasons we've been kind of discussing, I don't think the committee will actually do that. I think they'll probably bring in Florida State and they'll probably put them at four um, as kind of a, hey, you know, they're not quite as good as these other three teams. But, you know, if if Florida State gets pushed out, it would be for that reason. And I could see them. Uh, I could. It would be very interesting. That I Again, I, I don't think they'll do it because too much of what, the conversation behind the college football playoff has been his the idea of rewarding undefeated, you know, uh, P5 teams and and the idea of keeping Florida State out would really put them in a situation where they wouldn't be they would be you know they'd be hypocrites, which I mean probably Absolutely. they are in some ways, but uh, you yeah. know they that's something they don't want to necessarily do. Um, well, and I think I think the the thing comes across too. You know, we we do hear what are the four best teams right now, and and this is kind of my gripe with the 12, 12 teams situation is, you know, a team like Ohio State who, no fault by their own other than losing to Michigan, is not playing in the conference championship because the Big Ten has divisions, right? So essentially, the two best teams were not playing tonight. Um, you know, I, I would say I was probably not the second best team in the Big Ten, but you know, if we're looking at best teams, you gotta you gotta add them to it. And then, you know, I'm you look at Oregon who lost twice, right? But by three points, uh, both times to the same team. And I'm not saying either one of those teams deserve to be in there, 
Um, just at the fact that the best team analogy doesn't really work. We need to, they need to focus on resume for sure. Well, I appreciate it, Tyler. Thank you so much for joining us. Alec, you've been patient. What's on your mind? Hey, what's good? I love your, I, between all the stuff on Twitter, yours is the best. That Florida State comment tonight was hilarious. They would have taken that deal on the spot. But uh, I'm coming from Miami of Ohio. Shout out to Maction, by the way. Uh, yes. Just for some reference as far as where I'm coming from with some takes here. So between some comments, between Washington at number one and and Michigan and all this stuff, I mean, obviously the big question here is Texas and Alabama, right? But let's break some fiber. Let's break down the fiber of, of each conference. I mean, the Pac-12 had a great year. It was a it was a great going out. I bet on all their late night games, and I will miss that conference dearly. Um, but still, I mean, the Big Twelve, the uh, the Big Ten was down, no doubt. Uh, between Ohio State and Michigan, the rest of it was dump. Um, but you look at teams at the Big Twelve, like hell, Iowa State. Remember that OU, uh, Ohio University field goal that was <laughs> missed? Uh, and then Matt Campbell was on the hot seat. And there's a bunch of highlights from this season. But I don't know. Looking at the Pac-12, I don't think Washington's won. And you start to think about, okay, let's say, like you were saying, they probably leave FSU in just because they're undefeated Power 5. I think they have to take Texas head-to-head. You start thinking about seeding. Let's say they leave Alabama out. So what, are they going to put Michigan at one and have them facing Bama? Um, or I, I guess, I don't know, based on that theory and based on some of those hot takes, I want to hear what your guys' thoughts are. I know that's coming off pretty hot here. I've been listening for a while. And, uh, yeah, that's 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 my take. Well, thanks for joining us, Alec. You know, I see a couple of hands up. So, John, I've seen your hand up for a while. Um, I'll let you go first. Um, I, I, well, um, John, if you can unmute, that's no problem. Otherwise, ski mask Murphy. Oh, wait, John, I just saw you unmuted. Go right ahead. So since James Madison is eligible, why can't they be in the New Year's Six conversation? You know, it's kind of, it's, there's actually a nuance to how they phrase it. So, um, they're technically not the words they use. And I, I've, I apologize. I don't exactly remember the exact phrasing, but the, bo- both James Madison and Jacksonville state are technically not able to become bowl eligible, quote unquote. They were only able to kind of come in as an exception um, if all the bowl slots weren't filled and they weren't. So that's how they both got in. And the way the college football playoff committee operates, and they've been very transparent about this from the very first ranking, they needed the NCAA to grant bowl, like an actual, like they are just straight up able to compete in the postseason, like a normal team. And when James Madison lost that appeal, and then proceeded, unfortunately, lose against uh, lose to App State. Um, that was uh, that that loss of appeal kept them out of the college football playoffs. The college football playoffs said we'll consider any team as long as the NCAA says they qualify for the postseason. And the way they phrased it for allowing JMU and Jack State into the the bowl spots is not quite the same um, as what would have qualified them for uh, a New Year's Six spot. Um, and it's interesting too. I mean, just to kind of, I know we're already a week past it, but just for fun, um, that very last play of last weekend, not this weekend, but last weekend, determined the final bowl eligibility spot. Hawaii kicked a fire drill walk off field goal, like what TCU did to Baylor last season. Like 
the last second of the game. They didn't have, they didn't spike the ball. They didn't have a timeout. They just ran the kicker out, and by the time they set the ball, he was still running onto the field, and they managed to just kick the ball through the uprights. Hawaii wins. Colorado State falls, does not falls to five and seven, and suddenly, way out here, I live out here in Minnesota. The Minnesota Golden Gophers suddenly became the 82nd team because they had the number one uh, academic progress rate score among the five win teams. So it, it's wackiness. It's wackiness out there. But it's a good question. And that's why uh, JMU didn't qualify um, to be considered in this. Uh, okay. Ski Mask Smurphy. Well, I just wanted to sort of like update on the whole talk about who's going to be in or not. ESPN just released their picks for all their writers. And out of the 15 writers, all of them, 14 put Texas in. And then there's a tie with eight votes apiece for Florida State and Alabama. I don't like the way this is looking right now. I mean, even checking all the betting sites, all of them have Bama reaching the title at plus 500 and Florida State at plus 1,500, which makes, which seems like they're all hedging that Florida State's not getting in. Then ESPN bet has it, um, Alabama making a playoff at negative one ten, and Florida and Florida State not getting in. It's I don't like the way this is looking. You know, honestly, I think sometimes reporters tend to also vote in a way that if they're not necessarily predicting, it's how they would prefer it to go. I mean, but it's interesting too. I mean, like I'm looking at some of the others, like again, Brett Breck McMurphy, pretty early after the. Uh, the uh, Louisville FSU game went final. He actually just straight up put Michigan, Bama, um, actually Michigan, Washington, Texas, Bama. He didn't even uh, include Florida State. But you look at someone like Alex Kirshner, some of you may know him from Split Zone Duo. He he put Michigan, Washington, Texas, and then uh, Florida State. So I think we're going to see a lot of mix of these kinds of variations from the media or, or putting Alabama in that third spot. I could see that, but ultimately we're just guessing what a bunch of older college administrators are going to say when they all get together and start plotting. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm sure that's not how they like to phrase it. Colluding um, tomorrow uh, <laughs> to come up with whatever solution they need. That <laughs> phrasing is accurate. Yeah. Waterboy, what's on your mind? Well, before I check out, I just want to give you my final six if I was the committee head. Number one, Michigan. Number two, Washington. Number three, Texas. And number four, Florida State, followed by Bama and Georgia. That's Man, I can't, I, and the scary thing is I think that could end up being it, and I'd be very, very curious to see what the reactions are. Um, you know, like, again, this is the, you know, uh, this is Reddit CFB, the account we run it through. This is what I use. You know, I'm not the only person that tweets from here for the record, so if you hate some of the tweets, it's the other people. Uh, but uh, I just have to say I'm not looking forward to the moderating the conversations that are going to appear on uh, the world's largest college football message board, which is what we basically are. I am not looking forward to moderating that conversation, um, <laughs> depending on who those are that are left. You know, I want to let another voice in here. Um, let's see here. Uh, aspiring LU tweet champ. I think you're a, a Liberty Flame. What's going on? Hey, uh, as you can see from a picture, uh, Liberty fan, Liberty alum. Uh, and I know there's been a lot of talk. I wanted to kind of kind of point out a, two things. One, some some things to, um, you know, you know, point a light on Liberty's actual strengths this year, but also uh, pointing out like the, the formula for strength of schedule. So as far as strength of schedule goes, um, like the formula 
takes your opponent's records and then your opponent's opponent's records. It only goes, it only goes too deep. And so if you look at conference USA, it's real top heavy. Uh, and so if you look at their bottom three teams, they're all just three win teams. And since it's a smaller conference, every team plays each other. And so while yes, their strength of schedule is horrid, um, you know, that's a little misleading in what I'm about to share about them being compared with SMU um, kind of shed some, some more light on that. So um, strength of schedule is a flat number um, and as a flat ranking doesn't paint the whole picture. Uh, and so kind of expounding upon that um, Liberty has beat six FBS teams with winning records and has not even played an FCS opponent. So they've, they've beat six FCS teams with winning records, all bowl eligible. SMU has only beaten two after tonight. They've only beaten two teams with winning records and that's Memphis and Tulane, of course. Um, And, you know, as, as it's already been pointed out, they've got two, three score losses. And while, you know, SMU fans and, and just, people in general that, that watch the games will say, hey, they, they played Oklahoma and TCU close. But in reality, they didn't get closer than seven points the entire second half against TCU. And they lost by – or they didn't even get within three scores the entire fourth quarter. Um, so, Hunter, I see your your thumbs downs, but it, it's, it's just the truth of it. And, you know, Liberty, um, as far as Jamie Chadwell and their recent history, um, Liberty has beaten – and played more, unless I'm mistaken, they've both beaten and played more Power 5 schools since 2020 than any other active group of five member. Um, so, you know, schools have backed out of agreements. And then Jamie Chadwell, he has more wins than any FBS coach since 2020 between Coastal and now Liberty than any coach in all of FBS other than Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. And so while I know that's not near as important as their record and so on and so forth, uh, but but the coach that's behind the team counts for something as well. So I'd be shocked to see, you know, there's a lot of other numbers I could share, but I'd be shocked to see, you know, SMU jump jump above Liberty considering all those things. Hey, I just want to, first of all, I want to thank you for your, for joining us. And I, I keep laughing only because I, I, when I, before I clicked on your username, the way they kind of cut off everybody, it looked like aspirin. And then I realized it was aspiring LU tweet champ. Um, but I want to, th- jokes aside, thank you for joining us. And I really appreciate your feedback. I just wanted to let our audience know, I'm going to try and move us through as many callers as possible because we started this at, uh, 1145 PM Eastern and it's now 108 AM Eastern. So I'm just going to try and move through, um, just do as many folks as I can. That said, Jack, I let you up. I'd love to get your thoughts. Perfect. Thank you for letting me on, man. Sorry. My voice is a little hoarse from screaming at the ACC game tonight. Um, I'm not going to litigate the F- and the Florida State situation because I'm going to keep it honest with y'all. I think it's a made-up controversy. I think it's a it's 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 a ratings thing, and I understand ESPN needs good ratings. A lot of these sports places need good ratings, and controversy about rankings drives ratings. But I don't think it, there can be any serious discussion about Florida State being anything outside of the top four. That all being said. There's a narrative that I'm seeing pushed tonight, and it's, and it's a nasty agenda that I think we need to talk about here, which is the, the agenda that the SEC is still what it was. This is not 2021 anymore. This is not 2018 anymore. Look at Mizzou. It, it, I, it, we, you know, there's, there are good teams out there, but we need to stop acting like the SEC is the invincible conference 
that it used to be. Look at their non-conference play. They are uh, they were they're below 500 in non-conference play this season. They got some good teams in there. In the same way that every single conference has great teams in there, let's not get ahead of ourselves and still act like they are the and they are far and away the best conference here. I think you can easily make an argument that, sadly, the dissolving Pac-12 is right up there and has some amazing teams up there who can compete with them. Big twelve, I'm Big Ten, some amazing teams that can get there. I'm not gonna fight for the ACC like that because we got a lot of pretty crap teams, but. I don't think that I don't think we're in an era of SEC dominance anymore. I think that a great thing about this transfer portal is there's more parity across the board, and I think that's just a great thing for college football. I think more parity means more interesting games, and we can all enjoy the sport we love even more. So thank you, y'all. Good night. Thank you. Uh, thanks for for joining us. I want to get through as many of y'all folks as I can. Um, let's see here, Drew. Uh, let you up. What's on your mind? What's going on? Sorry, I was muting my TV. I got this Idaho game on. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're still playing. Who's winning that one? So they're in OT. Um, oh, my gosh. So I guess Southern Illinois, shout out the Salukis. They uh, missed a field goal to go into overtime. So they're in overtime right now. Idaho has the ball. But so I'm a KU fan. So obviously I don't have a horse in any of this playoff race just wanted to give some takes that I have uh one of them is I think it should be pretty clearly Michigan Washington FSU and Texas I guess if you want to have Texas at three sure but I think that should be the top four um I tweeted this out earlier but I think that if the argument for Florida State getting in is that they're not a top four team like if you look at most power ratings I don't know that uh Washington is a top four team either not saying they don't deserve to be in, but I think Florida State does too. Just wanted to put that out there. Like most of them would have them actually outside of the top 10, which is for just like power rating, just like who'd be favorite over who. Like they were 10 point dogs to Oregon, Washington was. So I, but I think those four deserve to be in. Um, I think that, and I think uh, Liberty should get that last New Year's six spot for the group of five, but maybe SMU gets it. But I, whoever said earlier that, um, SMU should, um, I'm sorry. Like whoever earlier said that SMU should be punished because they lost to TCU. Like I'd actually agree with that. Like you can, I think losing twice is fine, but if you lose to a team that doesn't make a bowl, like that's a really tough look. So, okay. Well, I appreciate your, uh, appreciate your thoughts on that. I'm not trying to, to cut people off too much. I just want to let as many new folks have a chat. Um, thanks, Drew. I appreciate it. Let's see here. Josh, I let you up. What's on your mind? And I apologize, folks. I'm going to start clearing out some of the stage just because there's a limit of how many people can be up on the stage. But uh, let's see here. Um, Josh, what's on your mind? Oh, hey, <laughs> it turned him back into the queue. That sometimes happens here. All right. Well, Josh gets back up here. Um, actually, go ahead, Josh, if you can unmute. All right. That's giving him some issues. Sometimes that happens. Avery. Avery, can you unmute? We'd love to hear from you. Hey, how's it going? Um, I'm good. How are I'm you? I'm doing great. Um, so I had a lot of couple things, a few things that I wanted to talk about, but the most I think is in basketball we have the NIT, right? Um, 
how do you feel about the idea of like the 10 highest paying bowl games that aren't the new year six or won't be part of the college football playoff next year, getting together and doing like a secondary playoff with the teams that are ranked like 13th through 25th and the other conference champs that are from the G five that don't get into the playoff doing their own like 16 team thing. Is there any like, is that, is that like potentially something that you could see happening or is, or is the powers that be just not interested? Well, I think one of the, well, when we think about it, one of the great his hesitancies to, to pursue more than one bowl game and just not have the BCS like we used to have it was the idea of adding an extra game and the wear and tear. Um, but I think the idea of chasing the national championship certainly made the CFP more palatable and, um, similarly, the 12-team playoff uh, arrangement that's starting next year, those teams are at least going to be going for you know the ultimate championship, which is, I think, again, what every team hopes for when they, they kick off each year. And, and for a lot of teams, it's going to suddenly open that up. I mean, you know, who, who's the winner of the 12-team playoff? The, you know, arguably, some people have joked it's James Franklin because suddenly Penn State you know, may not be able to beat Michigan and Ohio State, but... Gosh, wouldn't they be a good at-large team um, working their way in year after year? I mean, so, so there's been jokes about that, like which which teams would truly benefit from that. But, you know, at the same time, you know, the the, the winner of the G5 would not only get this uh, New Year's Six Bowl, but we'd be probably absolutely talking about which one will be in the, the playoff and what seed they get. I mean, this year it would probably be the 12th seed. I mean, uh, all respect to the entire G5, but this ain't, this ain't a Cincinnati-type season here. Like, we're literally just like, well, okay, well, who's still alive? Um, at this point. Um, but uh, again, I, so I think, um, goodness, going back to that, all of that said, that's why I think like the idea of an NIT title uh, championship, kind of uh, a secondary one might run into all of that resistance. Cause like, if we're not competing for the ultimate national championship, why would we want an extra game? But let's just go make the alumni happy. If we're lucky, we're in conference USA in the Mac and we get to go play in the Bahamas when it goes back to the Bahamas. Now it's whatever the toasty, famous toastery bowl in, in Charlotte for a couple of years. But I mean, you know, the, the fun is of going to a bowl game, but I don't know if you can get necessarily the drive to be the, the number 13th team in the land. Um, Cause I mean, that's kind of what, what they'd be fighting for. Who's the 13th best team. Well, let's get into a tournament for it. I'm not sure that'll necessarily have the same allure as the NIT in basketball. I think also kind of just hist historically has had that going on. And I think uh, arguably it's because the NIT used to be the rival. I mean, for those of you who may know, the NIT used to be the, the one that people wanted to be in. So I forgot what year it started to shift, but if you look at some of those early tournaments, the NIT was considered the more prominent national champion over the one that went to the NCAA tournament, but that's neither here nor there. Basketball's neat, but this isn't the basketball show. Um, let's see here. I want to allow some other folks up here. I see level up links. I'm going to let up level up links. Oh, and you know, um, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> level up links. What's going on? Uh, uh, it's been a little while. Uh, thanks for taking my, my, uh, uh, request here. So, uh, I'm going to be the least popular person on here. I'm sure as a, uh, Alabama fan and man, what a game tonight. Holy cow. Um, I was not expecting Alabama to win tonight. I won some money on it, so that was quite nice. But, man, Alabama and Georgia look pretty good. I think I would take either one of them over any other team in the country. And I have to square that against undefeated uh, conference champions. That's a pretty tough thing to do. I have to think that this is 
maybe the strongest argument for that 12 seed playoff to say all the conference champions, a few other teams, the top group of five, and that's what we're getting next year, right? So, man, um, what a way to go out. And, and for the Pac-12 to go out on such a good game this year, this is kind of the end of an era. Like, how do you think the media is going to react to <clears throat> this controversy this year getting into a 14 playoff versus next year who's getting into a 12 team playoff is it going to be the same level of discussion because we need to fuel the the clickbait beast or is it going to be a little more chill until we start getting into the playoff itself just curious no that's a great question you know one question though i want to just quickly throw back at you because that's the one uh, as a representing alabama fan um how would you make the argument versus Texas? Um, I mean, just uh, sorry to, to Uno reverse here. Do you think Alabama is the same team that it was in week two? Do you think that? I don't. Well, okay. Up until uh, the problem is I was totally sold on the argument. You're there until last week against Auburn. Then I'm kind of, and again, then we get into rivalry games, which kind of goes towards, for example, what our, uh, um, SMU listener was saying in terms of, of the, the loss to uh, TCU. But um, at the same time, I agree they're a much different team. I mean, when they started, and this is this is Tommy Reese, I argue some of the credit there. And, and frankly, Nick Saban's willingness to just let his offensive corner just figure it out. Like, you know, you never feel like he's forcing the team to be in one way. He's, I can imagine it's just like, look, I'm recruiting the best of the best. Just freaking figure it out. I hired you because you're really good at your job. Um, and, and they did. And suddenly Milrow looks great and, you know, their offensive line is, is doing better. And, and just together, suddenly their sacks, you know, drop and, and we see a team that can win. Um, I mean, lots of credit there. I, I still can't get over it. I mean, he is uh, every time I think like he's he isn't he's he's falling back. I mean, Nick Saban proves himself again and again and again. So I, I that is probably the strongest argument. But. And this is where it gets into the butts. The way the playoff committee looks at things, um, it seems like they seem to value head-to-head, even if the head-to-head might have been a while back. They certainly seem to like the idea of an undefeated conference champion, despite the fact that it might not fit um, into the arguments that they like to repeat that we're looking for uh, the best teams at the time. Um, but certainly, I, I think you've got a good argument there for if if we see Alabama appear in those rankings, that's going to be the reason they're going to go for it. Um, well, very- Aaron, let, let me throw this out there to you. Do any of us want to see another Michigan versus TCU? Because Florida State will perform worse than TCU did last year. And that was a disaster for, for the entire playoff system. Uh, that well, was let's be fair. Clearly- I mean, TCU did upset Michigan. So, I mean, I, I, I do wonder, though, like that whole that everything about that was so interesting because, again, Ohio State kind of backed their way into the playoff spot. And then they nearly knocked off Georgia, which would have probably if TCU was the same TCU we saw in the championship game would have been a similar score. Um, so, uh, no, I mean, it's interesting. And, I, I, and part of it is sorry. Just every game. It is feels like an any given Saturday kind of thing, you know, in terms of the way some of those games crack up. But uh but yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, let, let me clarify. So let's say a Florida State team holds Washington to to ten points, and they win twelve to ten, and they go to the championship game and get blown out fifty to ten. Like it's it's a bad look for the entire playoff system, right? It is, and that's where we're going to suddenly again. You know, one way, regardless of who's in or out, this is the perfect segue though for next season for getting more of these teams in, just to see 
you know, hopefully they get sorted out a little sooner in a lot of ways. Oh, my goodness. So, hey, I just first of all wanted to thank you for joining us. I want to get a couple more people up here because, again, we try to I'm trying to get as many of you all up here. This is an unexpected show that we kind of threw together at the last second. And um, my goodness, so many people want to talk and we want to hear from you. Colton, you've been super patient. What's on your mind? Hey, uh, yeah. So uh, a little bit of a maybe a shift from the the pattern of conversation tonight. But I just want to get your thoughts on uh, if if Alabama gets left out of this because they scheduled a huge out-of-conference matchup against Texas, you know, and, and then further down the rankings you get – you know, an SMU or, or like a Troy who just dominated in their conference championship game gets left out of the New Year's Six uh, in, uh, in favor of like a Liberty with, you know, poor strength of schedules. What is the incentive for anybody, Group of Five or Power Five, to want to go out there and have these marquee uh, out-of-conference schedules? You know, Troy played Kansas State early in the – season when they were ranked uh, 15th, I believe, and they lost. But they scheduled it because for years and years, it seems like, you know, the BCS or the playoff committee or whoever the power it be was at the time, if you want to succeed in this game, you got to schedule tough games out of conference. Why? Everyone's getting punished for it right now. Yeah, I think that's a great question because you're right. Because, I mean, uh, with Troy, for example, for those who may not have followed the Trojans this year, their their loss was in week two at at Kansas State and Kansas State is not a bad team. They're not necessarily the best team, but they're certainly not a bad team. And then they had a two point loss to James Madison, who's obviously been fairly great overall. They finished eleven and one with just one blemish um, a couple of weeks ago. So that those are all legitimate questions and why keep scheduling those? I think it's an interesting situation, particularly among the P five, um, and and it kind of goes to an earlier question about whether the uh, SEC should now schedule more conference games or, or keep the situation where you get like the, uh, the November SOCON, SEC SOCON challenge or, or whatever you want to call it, uh, jokingly. But I think we're going to still see things stay the way they are now uh, going into the playoff only because people, the larger playoff, because people aren't sure how the 12-team playoff will care one way or the other. Now, going back to the G5, I think there is still an incentive to to pick that challenging game because then you're not in I, it's so and part of it is Liberty got is kind of in a a situation here where they they just can't sometimes schedule these P5 programs. They desperately want to. They managed to fill that entire schedule out with FBS. They just couldn't get a P5 program to buy this season. In previous years they have and and they pulled some upsets. But you know, without that marquee game, it's so funny too. What we even consider a marquee game? Sometimes they'll say like, "Oh, well, the team beat Indiana." Everyone kind of you're sort of like, "Well, it's Indiana. Maybe they got into a bowl that season, but it ain't you know, it ain't the cream of the crop of the Big Ten that we're talking about here." And it'd be funny because then suddenly it's like, "Oh, well, they did manage to beat one P five team," and you just kind of went like, "Hold up, it was Vanderbilt or something like that." Because um, hey, UNLV UNLV did it um, this season, and all credit to UNLV. It's too bad they the. Their Cinderella story did fall short to a Boise State team with an in, with an interim head coach today, but we'll set that aside for a second. Um, but I do think for that reason, the G5 are in kind of, when they're in a, a beauty contest, because it's interesting too, we're going to end up with a situation where the P5s, we're going to get all those, confer- the, the P4, whatever you want to say, the P4 title conference winners are going to go in the playoff for sure. 
probably the rest of the at-large teams are going to be, by and large, other P5 programs. If we get a season like right now, like where there isn't this chief, like Air Force, remember when they were considered the, the team, everyone thought they were going to go all the way, then they sort of collapsed with Army. Um, Fresno State really kind of went, now that, now that Jeff Tedford has announced he's stepping back for medical reasons, I'm now wondering if that had to do with why Fresno State just suddenly seemed to run out of steam towards the end of the season. But, you know, these teams that, you know, we're now the, the leaders, we've been stuck with this situation where Tulane just fell. So now it's like, okay, we're le- who are we left with? SMU, Liberty, um, teams that would have not had any chance had those other teams managed to keep it going. Um, because of that, I think if we're in a situation where it's that race for the G5 in a season like this, where it's been a little shakier, who those non-conference P5 wins are going to make a difference. And I think that's going to be the tiebreaker for that G5 team trying to get into the playoff in the 12 team playoff. And that's the only reason why I think, and it, but it's interesting too. So does that also incentivize the, the P5s to keep scheduling too? Because again, if all you have to do is win your conference, do you really need that? Um, do you really need to schedule that that backbreaking game against another P5 challenger? I'm not sure. Um, some schools just do it because it's a part of their tradition. Some of them, you know, don't like to travel out of the state of Florida. I'm not saying any particular team, but they're called the Gators. Um, so, uh, <laughs> you know, I, it just it, there's lots of nuances to all of this, and it's going to be fun uh, to see how all of that kind of sorts out you know i wanted to thank you for joining us um, i'm going to let one another person up here again as we slowly head towards wrapping this up um let's see here mike you've been super patient what's on your mind okay mike um if you get a chance hit on mute All hey right. honestly can i ask you about minnesota real quick sure go right ahead so um i know that breck mcmurphy and maybe one or two other people have sort of parroted this as a foregone conclusion with the Navy question, but I'm not entirely convinced based on reading the NCAA D1 manual and the postseason manual that Navy is out of the running for a bowl slot. I know if I've read correctly, you're an attorney and based on you know your understanding of contract law and everything, do you think that, I mean, the NCAA D1 manual pretty clearly states the end of the regular season as being after the Army-Navy game and the eligibility criteria for being bowl eligible. And then the postseason manual pretty clearly states that bowl eligible teams or deserving teams must or shall be placed before the five and seven teams like Minnesota. Um, Are you convinced that Minnesota is going to get that slot over Navy? Or do you think that Navy might still have a chance if they beat Army uh, next weekend? You know, and, and um, yes, my background is a, I am a lawyer, but to be clear, I haven't read these manuals. So I don't want to necessarily, this isn't legal advice or anything like that. But all of that said, from what I understand, uh, the way the rules are written for them, um, Army and Navy must be bowl eligible before their game. And that was what Brett McMurphy had tweeted out. And I know that's what we're referring to. He's generally pretty reliable about that kind of information in terms of sourcing it. Um, I haven't gone through and dug through all the manuals. Uh, I wonder, because again, to be fair, if, if we all remember, Army and Navy got moved back not that long ago. It didn't always used to be this the week, next week. It used to be this week. It used to be along with the title, the championship games. And for whatever reason, they moved it an extra week past everybody else. Um, when was I, that? Do you remember? Oh, gosh, that's a great question. It wasn't that long ago. It was within the last 10, 15 years. And I know that one of the hiccups was technically the playoff had to wait if Army and Navy were somehow challenging for a CFP spot. That was the situation where they would that have did to... Happen. 
that happened one year. They had to wait because I think it was one of them was challenging for the group of five spots, so they did have to wait one year. Oh, thank goodness we don't have to do that this year. Because can you imagine? We'd have another week of everyone going bonkers over which, which team's not going to make the final four because we're waiting to see if Army and Navy, which one's going to make. Like, no, no disrespect for the, 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 the power, probably to the G5 at, aiming for that New Year's Six spot, but oh my gosh, it would have been just another. Oh my gosh, I, I can't even imagine. It's going to be, it's been going to be bad enough overnight. But all that said, uh, that was a great question. Um, and uh, let's see here. Colton. Um, Oh, no, no, Colton, sorry, that was, sorry, we were talking to you, August, uh, August, or, or sorry, August, I'm not sure, I apologize, uh, feel free to unmute, love to hear from you. Hey, um, just, uh, I'm also a Minnesotan, so seeing that Reddit college football's from Minnesota, I think that's hilarious, um, but I'm also a dog fan, so sad day, I'm living down here in Athens, um, but I just, I just want to run through a few things here real quick, um, I saw, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter, either Bama fans or people just don't like Florida State, saying, you know, like Florida State's strength of schedule is like 50-something or Bama's was higher than Texas, all that stuff. And But then they also go on to say that, you know, the Texas loss, uh, Bama was a different team in week two than they are week 15, stuff like that. And I just think that's super contradictory in my opinion because the strength of schedule is what it is because you played that high – you know, that high ranked team and you lost that game. So, you know, I just, I think that's super interesting that people are kind of, the logic is kind of flawed a little bit. And also I've seen people talk about the Florida state's tough games or Bama's tough game against Auburn last week, but pretty much the only team that didn't struggle all year was Michigan. Uh, Georgia had a tough game against South Carolina, Arizona state, probably should have beat Washington is a few weeks ago is 15 to nine. It was, it was a horrible game. Um, but I just, I think it's really tough to um, judge teams on one game. Um, and then I do think Florida state is a playoff team. I think they would just be totally screwed if, if they don't get in um, just, I just don't think one injury should derail a perfect season. Like what else are they supposed to do? They, they beat a beat the Heisman trophy winner who should be in Jaden Daniels. Um, and they have they had just have a super elite level defense, so I just I I mean there's no healthy team left in college football, right? Georgia's got injuries, Michigan has injuries, Bama, Texas, all these teams all have all have these injuries. Um, so I just don't think that one injury, but also that opens up to the bowl season. I I heard uh, someone talk about the NIT style, but um, some interesting bowl matchups: Oregon, Bama would be a great game. We could get a Georgia Ohio State rematch. Um, Iowa LSU would be a hilarious game. Stoppable force versus movable object um, on that defense side of the ball. Um, yeah, and also one last thing, uh, a trend. I believe every national championship game since the playoffs were introduced has had a quarterback that went to high school in Georgia. And the only one left um, is, is Tate Rodemaker for Florida State. He went to Valdosta. So interesting to see if that follows the pattern. Um, but yeah, I, I think – the committee would do a disservice if Florida State gets out. Um, but yeah, it'll be an interesting, interesting selection tomorrow. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your thoughts on that. I want to get a few more people in as we're starting to get a little close to a two-hour mark here. Um, Mike, what's going on? What's on your mind? I, I let you back up. I think I saw you could unmute. Aha. All right. Let's see here. Guess I was wrong. Um, let's see here. Marcus. Uh, Marcus, go ahead and unmute. We'd love to hear from you. All right. Um... You know, I'm a Florida State fan, born and raised down here in Florida. 
I'm trying to figure out the Florida State slack. Um, Michigan gets propped up. Um, they beat, we say, Ohio State. Ohio, Ohio State beat who? Everybody says Notre Dame. Notre Dame got thumped by Louisville. Uh, okay, the game today, everybody says Florida State doesn't look good. Michigan beat Iowa. Iowa got beat by Minnesota. That's that's really nothing. I I just don't understand the Florida Florida State slack. It's not like everybody keeps saying TCU. Florida State has a much better roster than TCU. Yes, they're branded ACC. They're in SEC country. Whenever the big wigs look at blue bloods, everything Florida State is always getting slack. They put Notre Dame over it. Michigan, all these head coaching jobs, you take the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years, Michigan or Notre Dame, Florida State has more national title, more top t- top five finishes, uh, BCS appearances. I, I do not understand the Florida State slack. I, I don't get it. And everybody... You know, it, uh, sorry, and I think you're, I think you've hit the, the actually the... Uh, Nail on the head of why I think the committee's not gonna let them out. I think there's been obviously a lot of forecasting by some of the press, and I think sometimes the press get a little too into the their own head on on what they hope things will be versus how things kind of end up. You know what I mean? Like some people were genuinely hoping Iowa was gonna somehow stop Michigan, but no one in their right mind thought Iowa was gonna be able to stop Michigan. So I think, and but uh, uh, jumping away from that kind of levity i think with florida state being an undefeated being in the acc being an undefeated p5 that was the whole purpose of the 14 playoff is because they just didn't want a situation like we had in 2000 i think it was 2004 when auburn had to go uh auburn was kicked out because they were it was uh oklahoma and usc so they don't want that kind of circumstance happening again so i think because of that I think Florida State's going to be in, and I think there's going to be a lot of angry people, regardless of who gets left and let in and let out. You know, but um, it's going to be a good segue for next season when we have 12 teams that can go in. <laughs> but uh, Marcus, I just wanted to say thank you for your thank you for your thoughts. I really do appreciate it. Right, I'm going to try and let a couple more people up here um, and, and try and get to some thoughts as well. And by the way, Mike, if you can, uh, let's see here, Mike Bridges, if you can unmute, I'll, I'd love to hear from you as well. I know we've been trying to, to get you up here. Let's see here. I'm going to let up Lou next. Um, so, Lou, what's well, that's on your mind? Or Lucas? Oh, looks like the system dropped it. Oh, that's that's just perfect. Hello? How it goes. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can hear okay, you. Perfect. There you go. Yeah, um, I'm an Alabama fan, and we had a good day today, but I can't see how – I know the odds right now say Florida State is in, and I would agree with it. Um, in four weeks, Rodemaker will be healthy. And even though he didn't show out against Florida, he made some key throws on third and fourth down and did just enough. And that defense, even if they got in, that defense gives them a chance to win any game, even against Alabama, even against a Michigan or a Texas. It's not like an Oklahoma State defense. Those guys are half that team will be in the NFL and potentially start on teams. My biggest argument to get Bama in over Texas as the fourth, I would say that if if you want to put Georgia number one, then you have to give more credit to, to Bama for beating them on a neutral site. But I don't know what the playoff committee will will do with the fourth spot. 
But I think FSU should be locked in regardless. Yeah, I think you've you've I think that is gonna be if Alabama appears in those final four spots, that's absolutely gonna be the argument we're gonna hear from the committee. Georgia was going in there, two time national champion, twenty nine game winning streak, and Alabama was a better team. And I could see that being their reasoning if they were to keep them there. I'm not saying they're going to, yeah. but if they do, that's absolutely what we're going to hear said back to us. And I, and I think the biggest problem that they had was maybe ranking Georgia number one. I mean, they they were down often in a bunch of games. Um, a lot of close calls, even with Auburn, Mizzou. Uh, they do have impressive wins as well, but I don't know. And for me personally, the same thing goes for Michigan. Like, what's their most impressive win outside of Ohio State? Yeah, no, that was they were the what they were the team actually operating on the uh, tightest tightrope because they had no room to make an error. Because other than Penn State and Ohio State, that was it. And um, if they had fell either one, um, they were going to be they're going to be let out. They're going to be left out, hundred percent. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lou. It was great. It was great having you on here. And then, coincidentally, the next person that led up is uh, Lucas. Um, uh, Lucas Edwards, what's going on? How's it going? Uh, um, so, I am an Oregon State fan, so I feel like I am kind of unbiased in this whole situation for the last two spots. Um, I agree with everyone else saying Michigan and Washington are locks for the playoff. Um, and... I would really like to see Florida State in the playoff. Everyone talks about the eye test and how they're they're not looking good right now. Um, But the same was said about Washington and Oregon. Everyone was saying Oregon's looking fantastic. There's no way they lose to Washington after the last five weeks. Um, But Washington, similar similar to Florida State, just finds a way to win every game. And if you can do that over an entire season, you deserve to be in. There's no saying, oh, they only won by 10. They don't have an offense. Washington doesn't really have a defense, but in big games, they step up. They find a way to win. And that's what you want to see in the playoff. You want to see teams that can find a way to win. Um, I would, I, I think the same thing should be a similar idea should be said about Texas over Bama because it doesn't matter how they're looking now. Yeah. You can say they're different teams, but everyone thought Oregon's going to beat Washington when you actually play Washington wins. I think Texas has a very good argument and I think they deserve to be in that spot. I think it should be three, Florida state because you have to give the undefeated teams precedent over yeah they lost a game neutral site if you find a way to win every game in the season you deserve to be higher ranked absolutely well thanks so much lucas i I appreciate your thoughts on that and i think a lot of people here echo those um let's see here i'm going to slowly start wrapping up but dom i let you up as we kind of get close to the two hour mark of when i I kind of improvised and decided to start this um what's your thoughts hey how you doing first this has been a great space um Thanks for letting me hop on. So I think Michigan, Washington, in no matter what. And then you really have an argument, I think, for the four teams. Like, I think you can make an argument for Georgia being one of the best four teams. And I think that the way Alabama can get in is if you have 
Florida State, Texas, Alabama, and Georgia and say these are the four teams for two spots. And when you start to get into multiple teams, head-to-head seems to matter, would matter less, and you can go with um, Alabama over a Texas. I think it's interesting. I think Georgia certainly has an argument. Um, And I know an undefeated team's never been left out of the playoff, but 2014 was the only year where Florida State did finish 13-0 and and finished in the final ranking behind Alabama and Oregon, who were both 12-1. and So I think that matters, and I think the other thing that really matters is the rankings from 7 to 25 as we count down tomorrow. If Oklahoma State falls out, I think that's a sign that maybe would be justification for not having Texas. Tennessee still being ranked there is super important for Alabama, but I don't think it's impossible that a Florida State team gets left out because scoring only 16 points on Louisville is – a sign that you're probably not trending in the right direction. I know they've had the uncertainty of quarterback, but if I'm a fan base of Texas, Alabama, or Florida State, I would be incredibly nervous heading into tomorrow, and two of those three teams are going to get in, so I think that's real. Well, thanks for your input, Dom. I really appreciate that, and I, I think um, it's interesting to hear some of the trends that we keep hearing with with the the thoughts. I mean, there's, there's competing lines, and I'm not saying everyone, certainly not, we don't have a lot of uniformity other than, okay, Michigan and Washington, you're in. I'm trying to resolve the rest. Let's see here. I want to allow at least one more person uh, a thought here. Ben, you've been patient. What's on your mind? Oh, isn't that isn't that just ducky? Of course, it didn't work out there. All right. Um, let's see here. I'm going to allow Bryce. I want to allow just a few voices. I'm trying to get new folks up here, and I apologize about that. Um, let's see here. Bryce, when you're up here, just go ahead and unmute. Yeah, I'm good. Um, Can you hear me? Sure can. Hey, so here's my thoughts. Okay, so... All right, 2017, Alabama got into the playoffs without even playing or winning the SEC championship. So them beating us, number one, just like Auburn beat them in 2017, 26-14 when Alabama was ranked number one and they still got in. So what gives them the opportunity to get in without us getting in in 2023? is what I'm trying to get at. Like, what favors them to be able to just say, okay, we beat Georgia, they're at number one. But in 2017, they was number one and lost to Auburn, and then they still got in the playoffs without even playing or winning the SEC championship. So I definitely think it should be um, Washington, uh, Michigan, Washington, and then uh, uh, Alabama, and then Georgia. Well, I mean, again, I, and I, I, I get where you're coming from there. I think one of the things that's been somewhat more unique for this season um, that has made it difficult for all of these, the, the pairs of teams coming from the same conference, because obviously we had, uh, you know, just last season, two teams from the Big Ten make it in, is the, the issue of this has just been overall a much stronger um, season just from conference to conference. I mean, they're, gosh, just looking across the board, and we've kind of had... Uh, this conversation here, um, you know, and the Michigan coming through undefeated, Washington coming through undefeated, Florida State. Now, here's where it gets interesting, too, because if we're Texas is, is also a big factor in all of this it, with Texas having a pretty strong argument with, you know, obviously Florida State's argument. We've we've discussed it all together. That's where it becomes really difficult for Georgia and all of this. I, I've, I remember before this weekend 
when people were kind of predicting it. At first, people were like, well, could Georgia stay in? And I think, I mean, if the playoff committee decides to do that, I wouldn't be, I would be surprised. I wouldn't be like utterly, completely shocked beyond my mind. I just think considering the other teams out there, this would be the year I'd be extremely surprised only because it's almost like, and it seems kind of unfair to be entirely honest, given how previous playoffs have been decided. But after a 21 game winning streak, this was quite possibly the worst game they could have lost. I don't know, maybe drop one to Vandy or something. Just you know, just some random other game. If they had dropped that, it would have seemed a little less crazy. But dropping the one game against Alabama at a time when there's such a, a crunch to fit into those final four spots, that's really what's uh, what's hurting Georgia right now. Um, and this could have not, not have happened, um, <clears throat> excuse me, at a worse time. You know, folks, uh, my voice is actually starting to give out. Um, we've been doing this for about two hours. Um, I just wanted to thank all of you out there for joining um, this college football talk here. RCFB Talk 168. Typically, we do these Tuesday nights, but we figured, hey, you know, we've just figured out the the championship weekend. We haven't figured out the playoff spots, but tomorrow we're going to hopefully know in a little less than 12 hours from now um, who they are. So I just want to thank all of you for listening. I want to thank all of you for calling. I'll probably turn this into... Uh, a uh, recording. It'll, well, this will automatically turn into a recording. I'll go ahead and turn it into a spot where you can get our CFB talk wherever you get your um, podcasts. Uh, I'll be doing another show actually for Advanced Media with uh, Shehan Jayaraja, CBS Sports national writer. We'll be doing a podcast we're going to be recording actually right after they announce the playoff spots tomorrow, and that'll be up as well, the College Football Survivor Show. I just want to thank all of you. Um, hope you all have a great night. Now I'm going to hang up and listen.